This podcast is brought to you by the InterAstra Institute, the global public square for the business of space. Join us at interastra.space. Airplanes follow an agreed traffic management scheme to prevent collisions. You know, there are airways and there are lanes, if you will, and the airspace is separated into vertical layers with a, a practice, a convention, a norm that says you fly these altitudes if you're going west and these other altitudes if you're going east, so you're not going to hit each other head on. But there's no such thing for space. In fact, it's not even clear what group would or could bring together all the countries and companies that are now involved to develop one. I am the only person to have walked in space and gone to the deepest point in the ocean. Hi, I'm Kathy Sullivan, and I'm an explorer. Exploring doesn't always have to involve going to some remote or exotic place. It simply requires your commitment to put curiosity into action. So join me on this podcast journey as I reflect on lessons learned from life so far and from my brilliant and ever inquisitive guests. We'll explore together in this very moment from right where you are. Spaceship not required. Welcome to Kathy Sullivan Explores. Before we take off, I have a gift for you. I believe that no matter where you are today, an active thirst for knowledge will help unlock your ability to live a life of meaning and happiness. So I'm sharing some lessons I've learned on my road less traveled. Over at kathysullivanexplores.com, you'll find my seven astronaut tips to improving your life on Earth. When you sign up, I'll send them to you and also make sure you're the first to discover future podcast episodes and learn more about exciting adventures ahead. Just head on over to kathysullivanexplores.com. I had a great chat with former NASA director and former crewmate of mine, Charlie Bolden, a while back about the new space age, as some people are calling it. This era that many folks hope means space will become democratized, and certainly it's clear it's becoming ever more commercialized. And, you know, there's lots in the media about this new space age, at a minimum about Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and space tourism. But if you peel back that fancy, sizzly cover, there are actually a lot of really big, unanswered, unresolved questions, which you might not hear anything at all about unless you're a real space geek. There's so many issues that we might just as well call it the New Wild West. Let me give you a couple of examples. Space is vast, we know that, but orbits close to the Earth, say out to about 700 miles, are actually quite crowded. There are over 4,500 active satellites, all zooming around at about 17,500 miles an hour. Not only that, but there are tens of thousands more planned in the fairly near future. Many of these will go into what are called mega constellations, something like Starlink, the new communication system developed by SpaceX, and others that are on the drawing boards and in preparation from Amazon and the British company OneWeb all intended to provide ubiquitous broadband coverage everywhere on the globe. Top of Mount Everest, no problem. Remotest reaches of the largest desert, no problem. One or more satellites right overhead. There are already 3,300 or so Starlink birds in orbit. And you know, the thing is, airplanes follow an agreed traffic management scheme to prevent collisions. You know, there are airways and there are lanes, if you will, and the airspace is 
separated into vertical layers with a, a practice, a convention, a norm that says you fly these altitudes if you're going west and these other altitudes if you're going east, so you're not going to hit each other head on. But there's no such thing for space. In fact, it's not even clear what group would or could bring together all the countries and companies that are now involved to develop one. And of course, no one's really thought about the side effects of some of these mega constellations, but ask an astronomer about it. Astronomers, ground-based astronomers, now find that their images are frequently polluted by many streaks of Starlink satellites going through. And then let's consider mining. Both a number of countries and some companies plan to mine the moon and asteroids. The objectives on the moon are water and bulk materials that could be used for propellant and for life support and to help build long-term lunar bases. With asteroids, the target are precious metals that are vital to our modern economy, our modern electronic world. Well, can they do that? You might well ask. There's a treaty that says that no country can lay claim to the moon, but it wasn't signed by all countries, not all the countries that are currently spacefaring nations, and it's not binding on private entities like commercial companies. And finally, it's, it's silent on whether a country or a company can dig up bits of the moon for their own use, their own commercial use. It's also equally silent on how would you resolve conflicts between companies or countries that want to have access to the same resource. There's a lot of money and effort pouring into these new space possibilities, and there are many more besides the ones we've touched on. But everyone's in an act-now-think-later mode, as is often true when a bright new prospect is glimpsed, you know, the gold rush, the tulip mania of the 16th century. And the guiding principle at the moment seems to be if I can get there and arrive first, I get to do what I want. So it's frothy and exciting times to be in the space biz or thinking about a career in that sector. And I now watch from the sidelines mainly, admiring the creativity and entrepreneurialism of all these new entrants, new players in the field, and wondering where it all will lead. My biggest hopes are that both the countries and the companies moving in this direction will consider more than just the short-term financial rewards as they go forward. That they'll give some thought to not just what can be gained by their efforts, but also what might be lost if we don't take care. For example, could we clutter up low Earth orbit so badly that all the rest of space becomes inaccessible? The tremendous capabilities for imagery and, and communication we've all become used to suddenly are closed off because we choked the system ourselves. That alone should be a great incentive to get together and set up a space traffic management regime and a shared space code of conduct, if you will. And there's been one good step in that direction with NASA's Artemis Accords, which is a set of commitments that they're getting different countries to sign on to that will guide how they pursue their lunar ambitions. But there is so much more needed. My highest hope is that the sentiment that was written on the Apollo 11 landing module will be fulfilled in this new era. That plaque read, we came in peace for all mankind. I hope all the new space players uphold that spirit in this emerging space age and work to ensure that space truly serves all humankind. 
Thanks so much for joining me on today's mission. For more solo shows and deep dives with incredible guests, along with all the ways to get the podcast and much more, head over to kathysullivanexplores.com. This podcast is brought to you by the InterAstra Institute. New episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Music, and most everywhere podcasts are found. To be the first to know when the next episode drops, head over to interastra.space.